civil danger warning. A disaster of unknown type has occurred. Number of casualties are not yet known. Outbreak of a highly contagious virus. Normal programming has been suspended. Stay calm and stay indoors. Gary. Gary, just shave it off. This is not a test. Don't worry, it'll grow back. The capacitor is charging. Okay, great. Let's get started. The Glorious Free Republic of Yorkshire Radio Show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Glorious Free Republic of Yorkshire Radio Show. Gary is shaving off all his body hair and feeding it into the mini furnace, so we should have enough power for around half an hour. We'll be bringing you government-approved news from Free Yorkshire, the mightiest of the many new nation-states that, several decades ago, emerged from the troubled era that was 21st century Britain. My name, of course, is Lloyd Becklesnip, and we have a packed show for you tonight. Coming up is the fourth and final part of our short series of reports about how our food gets from farm to table. This time, we're very excited to bring you our exclusive interview with celebrity chef Suzanne Pudding. Is there any particular part of the swamp mongrel that is more suited towards the dessert menu? The buttocks. And later, as we've reached a brand new truce with our old foe, Lancashire, we've invited their ambassador, Lyle Ladesbergerton, to come on to our show. Your people here have never understood the swamp mongrel's best place is in the hot pot. And if there's time, we may even pay a visit to Sly Winifred's Gadget Dungeon. But first, here's the latest government toilet advice in full. If it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. If it's green, then a doctor must be seen. If it's black, lay off the crack. If it's red, you might be dead. If it's glowing, then soon up you'll be throwing. And if it's white, then you're a dog from the 70s. But now it's time for the fourth and final in our series, From Farm to Table. And I'm delighted to bring to you the interview we recorded with star chef Suzanne Pudding. Hello, and I'm now here with celebrity chef Suzanne Pudding. And she's going to walk us through some delicious recipes for a swamp mongrel. Suzanne, good day and welcome to the show. Hi, Lloyd. Now, if I was to say to you, you've got the family coming round for a big meal. It's time for you to impress them. What is your number one go-to swamp mongrel recipe? Swamp mongrel, um... It's a hard sell. I'll be honest, Lloyd. It's a hard sell. It's a bit tough. That's why we grind it down to an almost sludge-like paste. Absolutely. You know, it becomes this kind of sticky, unctuous, silken paste. So what I like to do, Lloyd, is I like to fry it in a little olive oil. And I do like to taste as I go, so I have a little, I have a little lick. You taste the swamp mongrel as you go on its own. I mean, that's 
you're kind of taking your life into your own hands there, like the undiluted swamp mongrel has claimed a few victims in the last year. Lloyd, the things I've tasted in my career, I think I'm immune. I have sort of like a, my own uh, resistance to all these um, creatures. I've tasted the most incredible things on my journeys. A little bit of swamp mongrel's not going to, um, it's not going to stop me. I like to live a little bit dangerously while I cook, you know. But it is quite acidic, so I like to mix it with some honey from the new breed of bees we have now. Ah, uh, yes, the new genetically modified super bee. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a shame that the natural population of bees died out, but we've moved on. And do you just use the honey? Because now that they've been genetically modified, the bees are capable of producing all sorts. You've got the Bisto gravy bee. You've got the Marmite bee, which obviously splits opinion a little bit. It's incredible, isn't it? We don't have to have a spice cupboard anymore. We just go outside and bring in a little bee and decant a little of that marmite flavour or that peanut butter flavour, whatever it is. I have some chicken stock cube bees, mm -hmm. balsamic bees. Ah, they're amazing. They're very hard to get. They're they? very hard to get. You can sometimes get them in Waitrose. Oh, um, so you know the location of the one remaining Waitrose store? Well, it's only for chefs. Ah, OK. You know, if you've got a permit to go to the store and a permit, in fact, to get the bees, mm -hmm. then you're golden. OK. Double permit. Double permit. So that's um, a good six to 12 month application process. Yeah, but um, I have people in the know, you uh, know. Okay. But the swamp mongrel, it can be bitter and chewy, but I, I like to work a little bit of magic and it makes a great consomme. This is your new line of, of swamp mongrel consomme. Yes. Where you've taken the paste and pretty much vaporized it and then it condenses it in a steam of bee sweat. You find that one balances the other out. Is it's that... amazing. Bee sweat. It's the new Unami. Unami, yes, that base taste. What's the best way to get a bee to sweat? I was seeing on TV just the other week that they were getting bees to do aerobics, but some people are saying that's not good enough because it, it's not actually a, a hard enough workout to get them really No, to dripping. get the true Unami taste, you, what do you have to do is roll up a newspaper mm -hmm. and chase them around the garden. Right. And the impending danger of being swatted. They'll sweat some really good juices. And you get a workout yourself. The Glorious Free Republic of Yorkshire Radio Show. And we'll hear the rest of that fantastic interview in a moment. But first, a word from this week's sponsor. Are you struggling to find a suitable employee for your thriving business? Worried about dodgy applicants who may have faked their personal radiation results? Unsure if there are actually any workers left who aren't suffering from PTSD? Let Zip Zap Zop Recruiter take on the load. All of our candidates possess at least two functioning limbs, are virus free and haven't had any psychotic episodes over the last six months. And if one of our personnel does go on a rampage that results in the death of all your staff and your premises being burnt to the ground, then we'll give you 20% off your next transaction. Zip zap zop, because there's nowhere else to go anyway. And now back to our interview with the Kaiser of the Kitchen, Suzanne Pudding. And finally, you've recently started using swamp mongrel in your dessert menu it's caused quite a bit of controversy in the, in the chefing world would you like to explain your reasoning behind using this meat as a dessert 
you know, we don't like waste, it's ecological. You can make beautiful things out of swamp mongrel if only you use your imagination. Is there any particular part of the swamp mongrel that is more suited towards the dessert menu? The buttocks. Okay. That's where the phrase sweet cheeks comes from. I mean, I think even on humans, buttocks are probably the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. um, they're nice and fleshy and uh, they have lovely sweat glands inside them and they're never exposed to the sun so that they have a nice uh, milky texture. Yes, and we know the swamp mongrels, obviously, as they squat in their herds, their butts get very little sunshine. The sun might shine out of their butts, but it certainly doesn't shine on them. Absolutely. They're nice and soft. They're not leathery from the sun. Almost a rice puddingy flavour comes from the swamp mongrel buttocks. You know, we boil down the sweet cheeks until it becomes a sort of a sticky, almost rice puddingy consistency. Oh, yes. Well, this is your new signature dish, rice pudding with chocolate streak. Now that I know where the meat is coming from, I'm slightly concerned about the chocolate streak. Is it 100% chocolate? We're not sure. But you know, again, it's that sort of nose to tail eating, mm. literally. We've actually found that eating a little bit of poo is good for your immune system. It's all about gut health. You're right, you're so right. It's all about gut health. So we're giving people a nice, sweet, milky pudding, mm -hmm. but with a little bit of poo. People will enjoy this food and literally have a shit-eating grin at the end of it. We hope so. In fact, we're going to call it Pooey Pudding. Pudding. And that's my name, of course. Well, almost. Almost. We've got the Pudding Pudding. I'm looking for marketing all the time for this, and this is something I think is going to work really well. OK, I will definitely keep an eye out for it the next time my shopping voucher has come through. Thank you very much, Suzanne, for your time. Thank you. The Glorious Free Republic of Yorkshire Radio Show. What a revealing feature that was. And, speaking of cooking, in recent skirmishes with the Army of Lancashire, we ended up frying some of their troops while they managed to skewer a platoon of our brave boys. Before the whole incident boiled over into a full-scale war, our wise government managed to sit down around the negotiating table and cook up a recipe for peace. And in keeping with our new fine detente with our neighbours from over the Pennines, the glorious Free Republic of Yorkshire radio show is extending an olive oil branch of goodwill, and we recently recorded an interview with Lancashire's ambassador to Yorkshire, Lyle Laidsbergerton. Here's what he had to say. Hello. And welcome to a very special interview indeed. I have with me the ambassador from Lancashire, Lyle Lathe Burgerton, who is on the first official state visit from any representative of the Lancashire government to Yorkshire in over 10 years, as we attempt to rebuild relationships with our, our troubled cousin west of the Pennines, Lyle. Welcome to the show and I extend to you the cordial greetings of the government of the Free Republic of Yorkshire. Afternoon Lloyd and uh, the same from the, the people of Lancashire. Please do. Uh, there's some uh, thawing in the process. Yes, yes, that's what this whole visit is hoping to achieve. That's right. The sooner we sit down with King Geoffrey the, the Sixth, the sooner we can uh, try and move on from this old debacle. It's good to hear that you're admitting that, uh, that Lancashire is 
responsible for this debacle and uh, hey, we're, we're hang, de- hang on a minute Lloyd let's let's not let's not fire this up enough chocolates have melted and let's not uh, let's not hastily throw around uh, aspersions like that I admitted no such thing let's move on from that one Lloyd okay well let's agree to maybe disagree on that one but like you said you will be meeting up with our state figurehead King Geoffrey the sixth he's known for his plain speaking and his fondness for the swamp mongrel flavour of uh, Rose's chocolate, which many seem to have thought might be at the cause of these initial... um... Well, Lloyd, when a county invents a delicious flavour of something, then somebody else might come across and say that they've invented it. That can cause problems, can't it, Lloyd, as you well know? But uh, Geoffrey, Geoffrey the Sixth, he's unlike his father. His his fingers, I don't think, have been uh, tainted with the sticky wrappers of conflict chocolate or otherwise or meat or otherwise so we are hopeful in Lancashire that we can progress with this yes he's a clever guy he's willing to uh, allocate swamp mongrel flavours and the origins of them where they belong well yes uh, as we all know the swamp mongrel was first domesticated in the, the bogs of Yorkshire by yep. King Geoffrey the fourth I won't disagree with that so it seems kind of obvious where the the swamp mongrel flavoured rose came from and I, I know there was that it's not obvious Lloyd is it you know full well that swamp mongrels also have a provenance in Lancashire and unlike I'll, I'll, I'll restrain myself from some of the fruitier language I wish to perhaps go down but your people here have never understood a swamp mongrel's best place is in the hot pot have they there's no hot pot here and when you have not no hot pot, you're not making a delicious post-hot pot residue okay. from which you can make... Can, can I just stop you there, Lyle? We signed an accord just last year recognising the legitimacy of the Lancashire hot pot and agreeing to allow the people of Lancashire to continue to enjoy their abominable recipe whilst also outlawing it in Yorkshire. So for the, the process, it's, it's good if you, you keep the hot pot where it belongs, which is west of the Pennines and nowhere near our glorious country. But the issue, Lloyd, as you full and well know, is not the hot pot itself. It's the product of it, isn't it? Everyone knows the residue at the bottom of the pot, the meaty swamp mongrel residue, once scraped up, can be parceled up quite neatly into Rosa's chocolate form, unlike some folk in the Free Republic of Yorkshire who claim the recipe has other backgrounds, don't they, Lloyd? But we're, go- we're going over old ground. My, my blood's starting to boil and I'm, I'm trying to keep myself calm before seeing King Geoffrey the Sixth. So. We wouldn't want your blood boiling because that's how you get the salted caramel barrel, isn't it? Now It's got a special, unique boiled blood recipe that we've, again, allowed that recipe to be registered as a, a Lancashire invention, whereas the swamp mongrel flavour... Now that we've eradicated the poisonous hares, and again, as a country, we have apologised for the mass deaths caused by the export of swamp mongrel hair-contaminated roses back in 27. Well, it is funny, isn't it, Lloyd, that that batch somehow made its way to Lancashire, but none of them stayed in Yorkshire. Some would say there's a there's almost a plan behind that, but uh, yes, we've we've agreed to move on. You know, there's been... Blood and chocolate shed on both sides here, you know. Those memories are going to last a long time, but perhaps handshakes can be made, 
divisions reached across into a handshake rather than a chocolate fist. I think you're probably getting slightly ahead of yourself. As far as I'm aware from what I've heard from government sources, there's really no plans for a warm handshake. I think maybe a cordial wave is probably as far as we're going to get uh, with the current negotiations, and we'll see where we get to in the future. Well, if that's what it's to be, that's what it's to be. I certainly wouldn't want to see any more... uh dark vans suddenly go boom in the night if they may have been or may not have been delivering Cabri's roses would you Lloyd? I think we can both agree that there's something we'd like to see less of and likewise we don't want to see any of your own black patrol boats off the coast suddenly disappear under the waves as if the hull itself had been eaten out by some rogue genetically modified swamp mongrels that's the kind of incident these negotiations are seeking to avoid. I lost my brother Tamworth in one of those incidents, Lloyd. Those were dark days. The Glorious Free Republic of Yorkshire Radio Show. And we'll hear the rest of that interview in a moment, but first here's a little taste of what's also available to listen to on the Free Yorkshire Network. Yes, it may have ended several decades ago, but unlike Elsa, I just can't let it go. So this week on episode 957 of Game of Moans, I'll be yet again ignoring the many hours of superb drama that this series provided, just so I can focus on the shortcomings of the last series. We'll be posting such questions as, why didn't the one-handed man do what I wanted him to do, rather than completing his own doomed trajectory? Why didn't the lady with the pet dragon and the fireproof skin behave in a more believable manner? And why, why, why didn't my mummy ever tell me that she loved me? Game of moans. Because complaining about the shortcomings of a serial over which I have literally no control is much more appealing than actually dealing with a car crash that is my own personal life. Come join me in my warm bath of denial. And now, back to our interview with Ambassador Lyle Staves Burgerton. It's my deep hope that one day, and some call me mad in Lancashire, they say, they say to me, you're mad? I say, well, I don't think so. I imagine a future in which our children could play cricket again with swamp mongrel balls, hitting boundaries and let bygones be bygones. A glorious game. That could be the way we settle our divisions in the future. Sounds like fantasy at the moment, doesn't it, Lloyd? But... It does indeed, but uh, I think if we can reintroduce the battle of cricket and let our children slug it out and then slaughter the people who lose as a way of avoiding wider bloodshed between our beautiful countries, then I don't see why we can't both sacrifice a few children for that cause. It brings me to why I'm here, to be honest. I'm going to propose to King Geoffrey VI that if things go well... We burn a swamp mongrel to death, collect its ashes, and them ashes can be used as a a ceremonial trophy to be played for. I don't know if it'll work, I don't know, but uh, I'm willing to try, Lloyd. That sounds like a a wonderful idea, and and as we burn the mongrel, we can let the scent of it waft over us and save a little bit of money on swamp mongrel perfume as well while we're at it. Sounds like the famous Yorkshire frugality there, Lloyd. I can't say I disapprove. Well, 
best of luck in your negotiations, Lyle. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about this in the future. Thanks, Lloyd. It looks like my black van's just arrived at the moment, so I'll be en route. Unfortunately, as Lyle was returning home, there was a resumption in hostilities, and I was obliged to take out his jeep with my government-issued handheld cannon. So we'd like to dedicate the rest of this show to that foul-smelling interloper who... Hang on a minute. What am I saying? He was a hot pot despot and we're glad he's dead. We shall decorate our station with his disemboweled rotting corpse as a warning to any other lank planks foolish enough to sully this great land of ours. Rot in hell and may your soul forever wander our foggy moors without ever finding respite or solace. Well, Gary is now as hairless as a sphinx cat that's wandered into the exclusion zone, but if we're quick, I think we can squeeze in a trip to the Gadget Dungeon with Sly Winifred. So, we're back in the dungeon and I have with me our Gadget Master, Sly Winifred. Good to see you again, Sly. Always good to see you, Lloyd. So, what do you have for us this week? Let me ask you. In your dreams, do you ever go to another country? I have got travel papers that are up to date, so I am allowed to venture outside of the country on official business. Let's just say you're out there in the world. You stop for a meal. What's Mm. the one thing that's not going to be on that plate? Well, since the official... Yorkshire pudding embargo of 25. No people outside of our glorious county get to taste the delights of the Yorkshire pudding anymore. It is one of the the banes of having to travel outside of the glorious free Republic of Yorkshire every now and again. That's your problem. Or should I say, that was your problem. Because right now, I'm going to introduce you to your new best friend. This is the portable pudding plunger. Have a feel of that. Feel the weight. Wow, I can almost carry that with my own two arms, that's, that is definitely portable. Absolutely. It's the size of a small suitcase, but mysteriously about the weight of, I would say, a seven-year-old girl. <laughs> I simply wouldn't know. Let me tell you, with this, all you need is eggs, flour, milk, and a small oven, and you can make your own Yorkshire pudding wherever you are. Oh, that's what the second suitcase is for. That's what's in there, yes. And obviously, there is a third suitcase for coal and solid fuel. And wherever you go, you can wake up to a Yorkshire pudding. Well, let's say you're an emissary that we've sent to another nation state. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just imagine their faces around the corporate table when you pull out all this equipment, so mobile, they're fascinated by it, and you make yourself a Yorkshire pudding. You obviously never offer it to those other people as they are not allowed. All of a sudden, you've got the power, you're in charge, you look fantastic. And how much would you pay for this kind of power item to take with you around the world? Oh, that's got to be at least £500, I would have thought. (laughs) You're crazy. It's a £1,000. Still a bargain. It really is for everyone who can afford it. Is there a timer option where you can wake up to a Yorkshire pudding first thing in the morning? Absolutely. All you have to do is set an alarm, wake up about half an hour before you want your Yorkshire pudding, Mm -hmm. make the Yorkshire pudding, use the portable pudding plunger, hey presto, 
one breakfast pudding. And some of the products have been recalled due to, well, there's been a slight technical issue with them exploding halfway through and ripping people's arms off as they go to plunge. But it's a small percentage, I've heard. It's a very small percentage. If you were somehow able to get hold of figures on it, <laughs> I wouldn't tell anyone about that, but it's really nothing to worry about. And finally, these puddings aren't just for eating, are they? Because you can set them to a, a tougher setting and they can be put to all sorts of uses. I've seen people fashion temporary flat caps out of them in order to keep their head covered at all times in case their actual flat cap blows away. Are there any other uses you've come across? Absolutely. Say you are out on the moors, oh God bless your poor soul if you are, and you get caught short for a tent. You whip up somewhere in the region of 50 of these, make yourself a pudding igloo. Fascinating stuff, Sly. Well, you never cease to amaze us in the gadget dungeon. I can't wait to see what you come up with next week. Always a pleasure. Okay, Gary now seems to have scraped off an entire layer of skin and I can see some of his organs through the remaining translucent folds. So I guess that's the end of another show. Cheerio, and until next time, may all your brews be strong, may all your puddings be fettled, and may all your swamp mongrels be radiation-free. Tara! Communications have been severely disrupted. Make sure you have food, water, and a battery-powered radio with you. This is not a test. Okay, hello. If you're still listening, you've reached the end, so thanks very much for making it all the way through. I'm Noel Curry, the guy who put all this together, and on this show you heard Ben Spencer, Mandy McCarthy, and Adam Martin. And we're all improvisers. We're in a group in Leeds in UK in England called Super Trooper Improv. So if you're in the area, please do look us up and check us out. Links to where you can find us will be in the description, along with links to any other things that our guests are involved with. So the plan is to stick one of these out every month, uh, but I only get around to doing this in my very limited spare time. So I'm not promising that I'm going to stick to that schedule. And with that in mind, uh, can I please just ask that you don't like or subscribe because the more people that do that, the more time I'm going to have to spend on making this sound actually good. So uh, that would be appreciated. And uh, for the love of God, don't rate and review it. That would be disastrous unless you hate me, you know, rate and review, share on Twitter, Facebook and all that. But if you're a friend of mine, you know what to do. Just leave well enough alone. Thanks very much again for listening, and we'll be back again soon. The Glorious Free Republic of Yorkshire Radio Show.